Hi, everybody. Welcome into Podcast 310. I'm your host, Ben Mayer, and I'm here with Grady. What's up? What's up, Ben? And Michael. How are you doing, gentlemen? Guys, I'm doing I'm doing well this morning. It's 10 a.m. We've, we've already been hard at work. It's been a pretty good morning for me. We, at my house, we figured out a way to get our cat, Oliver, to stop knocking over his water bowl. And, guys, in case you don't know, this cat won't drink out of water that's not moving, so he'll hit the bowl to move the water and then drink out of it. The issue is he spills all of the water every time, and there's nothing left to drink. So we actually put a pump in the water, so it's always cycling around. Wow. Hopefully that will solve this issue because it is so annoying. <laughs> Some DIY work. I appreciate that. Yeah. Nice. Maybe it's time to pivot. <laughs> uh, we need a dog. <laughs> yeah, we need an office dog. So I'm just, I just want to start by introducing us and kind of the content of this podcast. We are all, or Michael and I are college students at Boston University. We're seniors. Um, Grady just graduated. He's a smart guy. So he graduated in three years. He beat us out. Yes, sir. Um, we're all friends. We, we met our freshman year of college. Um, we've been close friends ever since. We actually all lived together last year until Grady sadly left us. Um, Michael and I still live together and we have started a company together, Project 310 Incorporated. And right? it has been such an adventure. Such an adventure indeed. It's been a wild ride. Yeah. It's been a fun learning process for all of us. And a big part of this podcast is we just wanted to give people an inside look as to as to how we're learning and how we're adapting to the constant changes, challenges, and struggles of being an early stage startup company. Yeah, yeah. And of course, none of us, none of us have any startup experience. None of us are even business majors or anything like that from college. We are totally doing this on the fly. And the, the problem we're focused on solving as a company is social isolation. People struggling to reach out, struggling to stay connected with their networks of, of friends and loved ones and figuring out kind of why they do that and if we can create a solution to to that problem. So yeah, loneliness in the digital age is just almost absurd when you think about it. We have never had this many different avenues for staying in touch with our friends. And yet I would say we've never experienced this level of loneliness as a global society where people feel as if they have no one to turn to, no one to talk to. And I'd say it's especially awful. Maybe perhaps we could even say an epidemic in young people. Yes, I, I would definitely agree. And in in large part in recent um, months due to yeah. the widespread COVID-19 pandemic, we're all growing increasingly distant from each other, unfortunately, um, mm -hmm. just in the interest of keeping the welfare of ourselves and, and each other, um, but yeah. at, at the expense of these these close interactions that we are missing. Um, and that was kind of the inspiration that this company kind of arose from. Yeah. yeah. So I think that gives us a good, a good transition point to jump in. We wanted to start just by talking about how we even had the idea to start the company, kind of coming out of our experience at the beginning of quarantine. It's... I think it was a problem that we were all very much experiencing. We Absolutely. were, yeah, we were living together at the time, so mm -hmm. obviously we were in touch with each other, but there were a lot of other friends that we all had and we would often see very regularly that we, we weren't seeing anymore and mm -hmm. we weren't talking to them as much as we wanted to. 
yeah, we went cold turkey on all our friendships. Forced cold turkey, it was it was not a fun time. We found ourselves, I mean, of course, being friends, living together, we enjoyed being around each other's company, but at the same time, we were missing so much of these other friendships and these other interactions that we had that we were having on a near daily basis mm-hmm. that just suddenly stopped. Um, so we thought, why is this happening and, and what can we do to kind of tackle this so we're not losing touch with the people that we care about? Yeah, I think we realized that perhaps the biggest factor factor is not being able to just on the fly go out and grab a coffee with with a buddy or go out on Friday and Saturday nights to your buddy's house party and not being able to play spike ball which for us guys is um is key <laughs> Big to deal. something of a religion we really enjoy our spike ball and yeah something drastically reduced without being able to see people just freely without a mask whenever you want and without those types of scenarios it suddenly became scary to just text someone say what's up how are you doing maybe they won't maybe they won't respond maybe they don't want to talk and it just it was an entirely new dynamic yeah and we found that you know the longer that we waited in between these periods of trying to reach out to friends the the anxiety um and the the concern almost the fear of like rejection that could come back at us just yeah. grew the longer that we waited um so surmounting that that problem at first was was difficult it's it's weird it does it did kind of feel like putting yourself out there making yourself vulnerable even though these are your close friends to since you usually don't have to to work to yeah. kind of put yourself in contact mm-hmm. needing to do that and saying okay yeah i kind of kind of weirdly enough like, it's, it's hard to show that you care enough that you are going to go out of your way and reach out. I'd say it's like a school assignment. Really, the hardest part is just starting. And oftentimes, you realize, like, you reach out to someone, and they say, oh, yeah, I actually had the exact same thing. I wanted to talk to you. I just didn't really know how to start. And suddenly, you realize nothing has changed in that mm-hmm. friendship. I mean, obviously, circumstances have drastically changed, but... Yeah, you guys are still that relationship is still there. And oftentimes you guys are both feeling very similarly like, yeah, I just didn't know what to say, didn't know how to reach out. And all you have to do is send that first text. But there's such a fear. Yeah, Yeah. calling it's such a timing. It's such a a big mental barrier just because we we've just been put in a position where we haven't had to do that before. And we're in unfamiliar, uncharted territory. And it's just it became a problem that we weren't sure about how to tackle exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of leads into our company, our company's vision and kind of the the product that goes along with that vision. So we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, so it's hard. We have we have so many tools for connecting. So it almost seems weird that this could possibly be a problem. Yeah. Like all the social media, so many different tools for communication between FaceTime, texting, group chats, Facebook Messenger, but none of those really fix this problem of of like they they give you the avenues to reach out, but they don't make you reach out. They don't make it easier to overcome that fear. So we're trying to create an app that doesn't where it doesn't matter if you have that fear and it can it can create the connections for you. It can kind of take that first step mm-hmm. for you. So then you can talk more with someone and you can hear more about their lives and you don't have to worry about them rejecting you kind of. And the way I don't know if we want to go into specifics here, but you guys will probably be hearing more about that in, in future. I wanted content. to talk about 
do you guys think perhaps you said it hasn't that traditional social media has not made um, developing and maintaining healthy friendships any easier? I wonder if it's actually made it harder because with so much of today's social media, really the emphasis, whether intentional or not, is to portray your best, yeah, most yeah. attractive, intelligent, wealthy self. That's what I mean. It's perhaps slightly cynical. It's just what it is. Yeah, and I totally agree. In order is. to do that. There are a lot of things, at least in American society, that are that go along with that. You have to be independent. Mm-hmm. You have to always have stuff going on. You have to be busy. You have to travel. You have mm-hmm. to be creative. There's so many expectations. And reaching out to your friends and putting yourself out there is is seen, I would argue, as a vulnerability. And you can't be vulnerable on social media. Perhaps this is changing slightly with more increased awareness of of mental health and of loneliness, but it's still a huge problem. So I wonder if actually Instagram and Twitter have made it harder. I, I think so, because you see so often that people that you interact with on, in, in real life on a regular basis, it's not, it's typically not at all who they are and their online presences. Yeah. They're just, yeah. it's very much people just kind of putting on, not, not a facade, but like you said, like trying to show their best self and taking th- these snapshots of their best moments from their life yeah. um, at any given instance and putting that out there and trying to make that a representation of them. Yeah. And it can it can make approaching them intimidating. Yeah. I think because like they're having fun. Like oh, they're at, they're traveling. They're they just aced all their classes and yeah. they're out partying. Like they don't want to talk to me. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It makes it makes you feel like insecure and not not great about trying to reach out to them just yeah. because you know you might not view yourself on on the same level. Yeah. Um, which just isn't the case and it's not and it's not reality and I think that is an important I, I don't think it's mentally healthy um, mm-hmm. for people to kind of be put in this headspace people so I mean yeah go ahead no no I, yeah I just totally agree and it's it's just so hard because when when everyone is only posting highlights online it means all you're seeing is highlights mm-hmm. and if life isn't and life isn't just highlights no. so then once you compare your life to just this infinite feed of highlights it feels bad and it feels like okay I'm seeing these people are all having fun do I it, it makes it it just makes it harder to reach out it feels like you're almost accepting you're, you're admitting that you need someone you your life isn't just these highlights and you you need kind of help or support or just companionship mm-hmm. to to be thriving kind of like you see all these people yeah and it's and this, funny oh yeah go ahead I think in the beginning if you go back to the origins of I guess I'm really thinking about Instagram and Facebook. I think they really were. They did provide a way for people to stay in touch easier. You know, people would just mm-hmm. put up anything and everything. It was social media. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It wasn't a business to advertise your own brand yes. and to promote your your social hierarchy. It was like, look at my new shoes. Yeah, my baby learned how to walk today. Like, oh, I ate this meal. Not great, but not too bad. Like, just mm-hmm. random stuff that nowadays you don't see that often. So I wonder if as these systems have evolved, they've become more they have more kind of unspoken rules and they really do think it is a business now and you're trading in like the currency is likes and perception and Mm -hmm. how you edit your photos how many retweets you're gonna get and yeah i was i was i was just thinking the same thing it's just the systems themselves have changed but the culture 
behind the systems is so it's so it's almost gamified like yes it is. people people yeah. seeking you know that instant dopamine rush of getting likes on a photo yes. and that's the purpose of their posting that's the purpose of their their liking other photos and retweeting other things um it's it's just for the purpose of getting i think that dopamine hit rather than trying to share your life with with people that you care about and, and people that you follow and that's that's something that that we want to change and we want to want to make a statement on because I don't think that's what social media should be used for. And I think social media can be a, a tool for a lot of good. But I think the culture and attitudes surrounding it have to change in order to to make that happen, because otherwise it's just pushing people farther apart with this kind of cultural narrative behind it. Because people think that by following your your buddies from high school, let's say, on Instagram, that is keeping in touch, and it's not. No. Liking their photo and seeing the best part of their month is not keeping in touch. You're an observer. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they would still love to hear from you, but it's just not the same thing. And I think we have lulled ourselves into thinking that you, we do have all of these connections and all these friends when perhaps in reality, we haven't had any meaningful communication with these people in weeks and months and years. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes, it makes meaningful communication that much harder because we're that much less inclined to, to expose vulnerabilities mm -hmm. about ourselves, especially like you say, if you have a surface relationship and you're just commenting or liking people's posts, you're solely interacting with the most bulletproof parts of their life that they're showing and you're not getting kind of that deeper understanding. I did want to bring us back to kind of talking about where we personally are kind of how we evolved and how we were feeling as quarantine went on and kind of to where we're feeling now, especially we've got a new outbreak happening on a very large scale, a mm -hmm. very big way, both in Boston and Massachusetts where we're situated and throughout the country. But how, as quarantine kind of started and we realized it wasn't going to be two weeks and then we're back to normal life, <laughs> several of our friends, us being in college, um, relocated. They they went home because they didn't need to be in school anymore and they wanted to stay safe. So how did that feel for you guys, I guess? What did you mentally, what did you go through? How did it change kind of your day-to-day -day life? I don't know, just, just thoughts on that. Of course, we're in a different spot now where a lot of people are back and we're, we're still not able to see them a ton, but we're able to see them a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, at least, I think there was a period like the immediate period following the initial quarantine lockdown period, mm -hmm. at least here in Boston, um, where we were all keeping in touch with our friends just because we were um, trying to see what what the situation was for each individual person. Like, are you are you leaving? Are you staying? When? Yeah. What's the deal? Like, what's the deal with your classes? Because remote learning is a nightmare in itself and its own problem. But following following that, after people had kind of gotten settled past the the, po the immediate post-lockdown flurry, it was, for me at least, pretty radio silence on yeah. all fronts. I lost touch with pretty much everybody that wasn't you guys and who I wasn't seeing every day, all day. Yeah. And it was, it was weird. I, it was, it was lonely. I, I, I lost touch with a lot of friend groups that I, I interacted with purely because I was going out and doing and participating in activities with them, mm -hmm. like out in, in the real world. And now that those, those things were kind of taken away or, or changed, I wasn't seeing those people anymore and we weren't able to bond and, and laugh and be upset about the things that we, we used to be able to. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize 
really miss that and miss them so much more. Yeah. So it was a, a lonely adjustment period for me during that time. But, you know, as school has come back and um, people have come back to Boston and people's people have kind of adapted to this quote unquote new normal, it, it has been better and people have adjusted somewhat to trying to keep in touch more and make make a more conscious effort because that is, I think, what the world kind of dictates from us now. Mm-hmm. Um, it has improved, but who knows what it's going to be with increased restrictions on the, on the horizon in uncertain future for the next couple months. I'd say for me, it didn't really hit until much later than, than for you guys because I was just so busy for a time at, at my old job, and I was fairly close with all those people that... You know, when I'm working that many hours a day, I would see them and that kind of gave, I guess, my circle of friends that had that critical mass. I obviously live with you guys. We hung out every single day. Yeah. I'd be at work six days a week with another group of 10 to 12 people. And we'd, I don't know, sometimes we'd go grab a drink, grab a bagel, like whatever we could to pass the time. And we were going through so much stuff at work that it really we felt like a shared camaraderie, I think. And then when that when that business closed on July 3rd, that's when it kind of became a lot more real. And I, like, I was too busy at that time to realize that I wasn't texting many people. I wasn't mm-hmm. FaceTiming or seeing people mm-hmm. on the weekends. And then I'd say there was a brief like period where it was just kind of fun. It was like hunkering down. Like it was like the, the feeling you have in a snowstorm mm-hmm. where you like, you have a bunch of activities planned mm-hmm. and then it kind of, I realized like that's just what it is now. Yeah. And that's when it kind of, I think became much more real. And now it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have this, but I'm in a very different situation now. I live in a new place and I am perfectly, I really enjoy my new housemates, but I work even more now and I am not, I'm not living with my, some of my closest friends anymore. So mm-hmm. I'd say there's a whole new aspect now where I don't really have that much time to text people because yeah, yeah. you got to get up early for the internship, mm-hmm. go to work. And then obviously we do this, which is awesome. But yeah. there's a whole new uh, phase to quarantine now that I'm just starting to try and figure out how to cope with. Yeah, definitely kind of sympathize with you, even though I, I don't have the same situation. I can only imagine because you are doing so much, but I do kind of relate to what you said about it being like a like a snow day in yeah the beginning i love that comparison yeah at the beginning of quarantine i remember it was it was exciting it was this your city was empty and we felt like we had it all to ourselves yes, yes. totally empty and it, it it was nice because you almost you felt validated to do nothing i feel mm-hmm. like such a lazy person all the time and it felt so <laughs> nice to just not constantly have this this voice in my head saying oh this is this is wrong what you're like get up stop sitting around like i didn't have to deal with that anymore yeah and then it was kind of the same where as it went on uh the the isolation kind of set in and it was just it's just so easy um as someone who who like deals with mental health issues as well it's so easy to isolate with this quarantine like you're being encouraged Mm -hmm. to isolate and it's not good for you it's not healthy especially when we do have these tools where we can keep in touch with people but it's so easy to not utilize them and so i think as time went on i finally started to realize what i was doing and started to make changes um but really it wasn't it wasn't super well super helped 
that problem wasn't until people did come back. And yeah, um, that was also when people came back, it was nice because there was a relative lull in the spread of the virus and especially Boston was doing very well with it. Now, as we're going back into it, it feels it feels like it's it's kind of getting more difficult and it's more scary both to to see people and even to to reach out i don't know if you guys feel this way at all but it's it i worry when i reach out to people that they're going that i might get judged that it's going to be like oh this virus is exploding right now like is he really asking to hang out with me in the middle of all this like doesn't he know how risky it is so that's that's something i feel and it makes it harder to to try to see people in person as well what about what about this why is it so different because i think we all agree that it is so different to hang out with someone in person than even like i'd say a phone or facetime call is obviously better than a text but what makes it so different to be with someone in person the first thing that comes sorry to my mind is there's a constant need to create new conversation when you're on the phone or when you're on a FaceTime you don't really just hang out when you're calling someone right because it's like you're calling for a purpose yeah and I think I think that's a big part of it so it means that you're not necessarily just chilling and finding memes on your phone and sharing them and laughing Mm -hmm. but you need to like you need to have a purpose and I think that's even harder with COVID because a lot of people are doing a lot less and have a lot less to talk about even. Yeah. So Fair, it's just yeah. a compounding thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's just a lot of time when you try to, and I mean, a thing with phone calls and, and FaceTimes in particular is like, you kind of find yourself needing to like set up a time to FaceTime and, yes. and like block off part of your time and put it in your schedule and make sure that like you can have time to talk with, with that person. And it, it kind of is, it feels almost like it's a, function of utility like you need to like get something out of the call like an update on a certain aspect yes. of life it almost feels like you need to be going down a checklist where mm-hmm. when when you're hanging out in person it's organic and you can just kind of enjoy being in the moment um yeah. and that in that quality of interacting with another human being i think is 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 very much lost in most typical virtual interactions that we have yeah and yeah and it's it's something i miss and i mean these things these tools that we have like facetime and in in the phone and in zoom and stuff like this they they're wonderful tools and i'm glad that we have access to them and it allows us to to keep in touch but it's it's just not doing it on the same level as actually being in the same room with another person so kind of kind of going off of that i'm i'm curious to hear your guys thoughts on this i haven't brought this up with either of you i don't think there's been this great news about um, these two vaccines that have been proven very effective and rough timeline right now, according to just news sources that I'm listening to, is that it should be available for widespread public use anytime between like late spring and late summer-ish. So what are the two? It's Moderna and, and Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah. And they're um, showing up to like 95%. Yeah, the Madera, yeah, the Pfizer one is like 90 and the other one is 94.5 at the moment. Um, but just, just based on what we we're seeing from those things now and we kind of have a rough quote-unquote end date, I don't know yeah. if it even is an end date, but, but there's the, the, hope but the, the beginning of the end almost. I'm curious to see how you think this, the way the virus has changed life for us now is going to change life 
for us post COVID in, in yeah. terms of how we are interacting with, with people and using virtual tools. Sadly, I think the, the work from home model, which has so many benefits is cemented, has cemented its place in mm-hmm. society. Yeah. So I am afraid that a lot of meetings and such will be digital and that there are plenty of benefits to that. Mm-hmm. I would take an in-person meeting every single day yep. over a Absolutely. But on the flip side, there are so many kind of small innovations with, I think, big impacts. Like the one I always bring up that I guess isn't really a big impact, but it's still I find so cool is just the QR code menu at restaurants. You know, I love you, uh, you save paper. So hopefully that could have a, a big impact on not big, a non-zero <laughs> impact on deforestation. And you just can update a menu every day. I think that is so small but so cool. And I look forward to seeing other little things that may that are noticeable post COVID. Yeah, I think I think technology wise, that's that's kind of an aspect that I wasn't looking at it through a lens. I, I totally agree with you on um, remote work. And I think the good thing is, I think it makes a lot of people very happy to be able to work remotely. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that at least it might afford those people the opportunity when it wasn't there before. Absolutely. In terms of social interaction though, I'm hopeful that once people, that people are desperate enough to not, or to, to be seeing their friends in person, that they're going to be very excited and ready to kind of jump back into that once a vaccine comes out. But I think there is a large population that where the fear is going to remain for a while. And I'm not sure it's, it's hard to put a, a timeline on when it's going to completely wear out because we don't know how much of the population is going to be vaccinated and what the timeline is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like, we're going to get back to normality eventually, but it's a matter of time. And I don't know what, what the time actually is. Like. Um, yeah. As far as like, Recent polling in in the U.S. is indicating that 61% of people will be willing to take on a vaccine as soon as it is readily available to them. But that still leaves 39% of the population that is apprehensive at first and wants to see. So I think, if anything... The timeline is going to be delayed for those reasons. Exactly. But I, you, you talk about returning to normalcy, and I think that the normal that we knew pre March 2020, I don't think we're going to be seeing that again. I think the effects that the virus has had on society um, right now are going to be ingrained, I think, into the new normal post post COVID. Um, just because you know people are people are so used to it now and they have they have adapted and I think the use of masks is still going to be um, fairly widespread at least compared to what it was before coronavirus okay um, especially you know in crowded areas public transport um, because like you said I think people still will will have these fears and, and be careful because you know it happened once and it it totally that means it totally can happen again with a different virus with a different virus yes yeah, sure. Hopefully not, but um, it, it definitely is is possible. So it's it's really strange to think about, especially when we think about what normal really really means. So, so something I on my walk to you guys' place this morning, I was thinking about is like obviously COVID has posed an extraordinary circumstance on all of us, and maintaining friendships and relationships is harder than it ever has been for people our age. Even before this, friendships just fall apart. I think the natural tendency 
is towards entropy with friendships and mm-hmm. you have a lot of friends on the playground in the cafeteria in science class and then you move on and then the next set of friends is in um i don't know in the workplace in your greek life club in uh the college campus and then you move on again and you lose friends all the time and i i'm just wondering do you guys think that is just natural or do you think that's something that can be solved i i I think both i think it is natural to lose the friends because i think if again with what we were talking about earlier if if quarantine shows anything it's that it's how important it is to keep seeing people to maintain friendships and how much work you have to put in if you're not seeing them it's a function of proximity i think yeah more than anything yeah i think i think that's right but i but i also think there can be a solution there will be a solution i think it's very valuable to still maintain contact with those people because when you transition i I think transitions make people very very vulnerable emotionally and it's easy for them to kind of hide behind barriers and not let new people in but the problem is if you're scared and you're not letting new people in, but then you're also leaving the old people who did have your back and you're not letting them have your back anymore, then you're just alone. And then you're you're open to a lot of a lot of bad thoughts and bad feelings and that's not a good thing. Mm. I think yes, that definitely is is true, broadly speaking. But I I also know that there are a lot of instances of people who who honestly like the the isolation and the quiet that's kind of come come from this. I've talked to some family members who are are like, yeah, this has been the most enjoyable period of my life because I just get to see my wife and I get to hang out with my kids all day, mm-hmm. and I don't have to deal with kind of putting on a show so to speak with coworkers and and other people that i i I typically don't really care for and well i will say that i don't think that is a majority of the population in any stretch i think people definitely have benefited in some sense to the state of the world and i think that you know the the bad thoughts coming from being alone with your with your thoughts is is true for a lot of people i also think the opposite I think the the same phenomenon can happen when you are interacting with people and bad thoughts um, about others and about yourselves can come directly as a result of being around other people. So I I think it's a very individualized experience and people are going to take positives and negatives from each state of being. But yeah, it's 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 such a tricky and an and interesting place to be. I think I've realized that I don't think it necessarily is. It is natural that friendships like wax and wane, but I think it's often self-imposed. And I've realized like for a lot of friends, because I haven't been able to see them in so long, I am more explicit about trying to plan seeing them. So like Devin, I saw over um i suppose just a month ago devin's a friend from elementary school (laughs) i suppose one of my oldest friends ever i haven't seen him in a long time and if you just if i make plans and just kind of try to forget about that fear and anxiety that Mm -hmm. i've never had a bad experience seeing an old friend i just need to get out there and remind myself that like time has passed but that relationship is still there so whether it's friends from home or i haven't seen in six months or friends from my childhood or whatever i think i've just learned like i just need to i need to make a plan i need to just go for it yeah definitely i think that's a great note for us to end on yeah um thank you guys so much 
for listening in. We're going to be trying to, we're, we're all going to be on this podcast and we're going to be trying to bring on some guests as well. Yeah. Talk about these kind of topics with us. And we would love to hear your thoughts. So please, you know, if you agree or disagree with some of the points we've made, if you want to share your own perspectives, we welcome you to send us an email, um, yeah. which will be on the website. So please feel free to give us your input. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.